CIO Talk Radio is brought to you by HP and Siemens Smart Grid. Welcome to CIO Talk Radio with your host, Sun Joke All. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Now, here's Sun Joke All. Hello and uh, welcome to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. And as always, we invite you to join the discussion on Twitter, hashtag CTRLive, and look for this show as hashtag GenY. Today's topic is building the workplace for Gen Y. Now, this is a very special topic for us today. It involves the age and generation gap that currently found, that's basically currently found in the workplace today and how's the, how the differences between these generations affect how we all work together. So to represent each generation, we've invited three people all from the same IT department at USAA and so to get started, representing the baby boomers is Greg Schwartz, Senior Vice President and CIO with USAA. Good morning. How are you, Greg? Uh, good morning. It's great to be here. Thank you. The honor is all ours. So life is good? Life is good. Uh, you know, we're down in San Antonio, Texas, and uh, the weather's great this morning. Great, great. And we have Gen X representative Ryan O'Leary, who is the IT Technical Director of Development. Ryan, how's, uh, how are things for you? Great. Uh, really excited about the topic this morning. Uh, a lot of my background has been uh, leading our mobile development team, which has had a number of millennials participate in that journey. So eager to share uh, my experiences on the, on the topic. Great. And finally, we have uh, representing Generation Y is Heather Hernandez, who is the Senior Research Engineer. Good morning, Heather. So how are things any better and different for you? Um, things have been great. It's a wonderful day. The weather is really crisp today. Um, I'm working in the innovation lab right now, and so we're really looking at what kind of revolutionary innovations we can deliver to our members, and it's a really exciting place to be. Great, great. Now, um, so to, to basically set the stage, uh, I'll start with you, Greg. So we are trying sure. to build an organization uh, which has got everyone working together. Yes, we have multiple generations there, and we all have to work towards common goals. If we had to really work towards building that quality of uh, interaction and how we reach our goals, is there some sort of um, a set of organizational goals that are being set out in your organization where we would say these are how priorities are put in place? Well, you know, uh, from an organizational perspective, I really believe that what sets us apart really from the industry and from our competitors, quite frankly, from a USA perspective, is our mission statement. And uh, for those listeners out there who don't know a lot about USAA, uh, we were formed uh, back in 1922 by a group of Army officers uh, who, were, who couldn't get insurance, quite frankly, for their automobiles. Uh, they were deemed a bad risk. And so they pooled their money together and they created this association. And uh, we've been in existence now for 90-plus years serving that military community and their, uh, and their families. And over the years, we've introduced a, a number of other financial services products. So we're a, we're a full-service uh, financial service provider today. Um, and so that really becomes a rallying point uh, for, our, uh, for our employees. Um, we really value our members here at USA, and, and if you're an employee here, uh, you really feel that every day. I know I've been uh, an employee here for 30-plus years, 
And I can tell you that as long as I've been here, uh, we make all of our decisions on a daily basis, on a strategic, uh, from a strategic standpoint, certainly from a tactical standpoint, on how we can better serve our membership. And so that feels very inspirational if you're a USA employee because, because you know what you're doing matters uh, to your members, and we're making our decisions in the best interest uh, of our membership. And as an employee, not only is it inspirational, uh, it's, it's certainly we recognize uh, that uh, our employees are what really make it happen for our membership. And so we do our best uh, from an organizational standpoint to take care of our employees uh, as well. So, Ryan, uh, so those 90 years, I was just going to say that, uh, you know, all of those generations that we've had serving our employees, the mission is really what's been enduring and inspiring for all of us. Ryan, uh, Greg painted a pretty good picture, rather a beautiful picture of what their organization is. And um, based on what you do every day and from your vantage point, I would definitely uh, see that, yes, you must be following the same organizational goals, but what's your flavor? How do you see the organization? Because you are trying to execute on the strategies which are being crafted at the top. Yeah, I think uh, I love Greg's point. Um, I view the mission kind of as our North Star. Uh, It it, it always guides us. Um, Part of my job is to contextualize that mission uh, in experience to give it substance. And as a leader, I find it's vital to connect the dots for, for my, uh, my teams. Uh, the work that we do, the sweat of our brow, how does it uh, move us towards fulfilling that mission? And so that's part of my job is this sort of translator to both the boomers and the millennials uh, with respect to what is it that we're doing to drill down from a, 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 a company mission into uh, a department or an organization? How does that department's uh, existence help us uh, fulfill our mission? Heather, and, where you come from, um, as, as someone who may have joined, how long ago did you join this organization? Um, I started as an intern about six years ago, and then I uh, went into full-time position. Okay, when you came, do you remember your first month? How did it? Uh, how did you connect with the organization, and what did you feel? What was happening with you, and how did the organization help you get comfortable in the role that you are in? And and that's why I'm assuming after the internship, you wanted a job, and they found value in you, and that's why this this marriage happened. I um right off the bat, um, I realized how important communication and collaboration was at USAA, and it wasn't just executives feeding information to me. It was me being able to talk to people who I wouldn't have thought that I'd be able to access um, at such a high level in other organizations. It was a really great opportunity for me, and I really appreciated the transparency um, of the company. And do you think transparency actually gave you that initial foothold but after that when you have to attach yourself to the mission and then sometimes they would give you things which are not truly something that you want to do but there are certain things or maybe it's not that you want to do but those are some things which are uh, an area that you're not comfortable with how was the communication for you with all people involved so ryan is there ryan said he's a translator so was Ryan or someone like Ryan was there to translate what the baby boomers or the leadership wants and then you could do what you wanted to do? Um, I think that the I, I don't think that we always needed a translator. I think that sometimes it is important, but I feel like for the really important messages, we were told those things directly. It wasn't 
um, a game of telephone where the message might have gotten jumbled in translation. I feel like if there was important things for our organization, we heard them directly. And we could give feedback to those directions as well. And the thing that stood out to me was that our feedback was actually heard and listened to. Greg, when you look at the way the organization is getting built, and you mentioned that you've been there for almost 30 years, so you've seen quite a bit of evolution. With these generations coming into place and or you're dealing with them and how you are trying to maneuver through the challenges, could you inventory some of the things which you have seen sitting up there that I'm getting multiple generations, including you belonging to one of the generations, what challenges that are morphing and or getting introduced which you have to plan for? Well, uh, you know, uh, clearly I think all all generations have characteristics that define them. And, uh, you know, the Gen X, Gen Y, and even the baby boomers are no different. Um, you know, I, I will tell you there is one uh, uh, characteristic or quality that I see that really kind of transcends it. And uh, as you uh, pointed out, I have been at the company a long time. And, and one of the things that I most appreciated uh, when I uh, first started at the company um, was I really had the opportunity to, to grow uh, my career here. And uh, it really doesn't matter which generation we're talking about. We really believe, um, and our, you know, that's kind of our workforce strategy here, is we're really selling our new employees on a career and not just a job. We want to give them the opportunity to grow their careers and aspire to be whatever it is uh, that they uh, desire to be. Um, so, for example, um, you know, we hire a lot of college interns today. Heather is a great example of a college intern that uh, we hired six years ago. And uh, one of the things that uh, we, we clearly are doing a better job of today is listening. And uh, Heather, uh, along with a couple of her coworkers uh, six years ago uh, who were part of this uh, intern program, uh, came to us with an idea. Uh, and, in fact, uh, they came directly to me, and I was the CIO at the time with this idea. And one of the things they wanted to do is they wanted to help improve the college hiring experience. Uh, and they wanted to provide a network for for uh, new college hires here at USA, and uh, they uh, they even had a name for this program. They they wanted to call this community Nexus, and uh, it you know when I first heard it, I was thinking, oh my goodness, this is what a, this is a great idea. It's something we've never done before. You know, it was one of those ideas where. Um, so new to the organization that you had to get a lot of people involved. We had to get HR involved. We had to get our legal team involved. We had to figure out if this was something we could do. Uh, and I'm proud to tell you that we listened. Uh, we figured out a way to make it happen. Uh, we have this social community now called Nexus, which, uh, which Heather helped co-found. Uh, it is instrumental now in how we bring in uh, new employees into uh, our environment. Uh, and uh, it is a, it's a big part of what our millennial generation is very proud of. Ryan, you must be a juggler for you to having two personalities on either side of your camp. And if you are trying to do that and are you seen as successful in doing so, what is it that you have identified are some of the core characteristics of each of those camps and what have you been able to do to successfully manage those? And perhaps you might have a few areas where you still feel that uh, you could do better or that that could be handled better. You know, for me, I, I kind of look at to, the, to my left of the millennials, to the right of the boomers. On the left side, the millennials, uh, it's really about how do I feed them a healthy appetite of work. Uh, I use the analogy of, uh, you know, a kid, you don't want to feed them soda pop all throughout their, uh, you know, first 10 years. Otherwise, they'll grow up with health problems. 
And when I look at a millennial's career, how am I giving them good protein work uh, where they can, they can grow? Um, on the right side, on the boomer side, it's really about how do I disarm uh, any concerns or fears around, around the rapid uh, growth of technology? How do we show uh, uh, good examples of, uh, let's say, Twitter, that it's not a celebrity status update tool, uh, but it's a powerful mechanism of getting information pushed to you? I have a great story. Uh, we, we were uh, uh, flying back from India on a 31-hour trip, and uh, we arrived uh, in San Antonio, and there was a bomb threat. And we were on the runway uh, for three hours, and we were exhausted, and no one had information as to what was going on. It's, uh, San Antonio is not you know, a city that necessarily gets bomb threats. And while we were in there, uh, one of the, the persons traveling with us, uh, he, he did a hashtag search on San Antonio bomb threat, and he had up-to-date information on what was going on. And this sort of special, beautiful moment uh, occurred where all these people huddled around him, and they were like, how, how do you know this information? And so he explained uh, to, all, to, to boomers uh, and Gen Xers alike that, you know, he was using Twitter as a way to get vital information as to what was going on. And it was, it was an awesome moment because a lot of people had a, a realization. Number one, they learned what hashtags were. But number two, they had misjudged what the tool was all about because they only see on the media that, again, it's a celebrity uh, status update mechanism. And so that, that was a great uh, example I, I, I saw of how uh, those dots were being connected. Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back. And uh, Heather, when we come back, I'd like to ask a question where not everyone is Ryan in your company and not everyone is Greg, who you could actually work with. with They're very approachable, and they're not also your superiors, and, and they might be your coworkers. So what are those attributes from your standpoint could be introduced uh, or, or be used by those people so that there is overall better camaraderie because everyone is coming in into an organization to create value. But sometimes when we just live uh, with our own attributes without looking at whosoever is around us, then it could create tensions or it could create problems. So what, would, what are the challenges that you see when you're dealing with people who are not at the position of authority who you report to, but they are still in different generations and you have to work with them? Please stay tuned. We'll be right back. The U.S. and Canada represent just 5% of the global population, but collectively we consume about 35% of the world's resources. Supply is not keeping up with demand, so change is not an option, it's imperative. Siemens brings knowledge to power through modernization, responsible energy consumption, and greening the grid projects. Siemens Smart Grid has the answers. Just Google Lead the Charge Portal. HP is proud to sponsor this program. Tap into our expertise, innovation, and services to bring your most important workloads to the cloud. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sunjog All. Welcome back. So, Heather, uh, let's look at those individuals who you work with. I mean, they may not be someone that you report to, and they may not be 
the the clones of what Ryan and Greg are demonstrating, someone who's open and is working the best possible manner, and you would love to have them around you. What are um, you thinking of the challenges there? Uh, I think that um, there's always opportunities to be able to show how committed you are to what other people are already working on. Um, as a new hire, you might come in to the position. You know, you don't know a lot of the institutional information about the company, and that's where a mentor um, that you either formally ask for or, you know, you informally say, you know, can I come to you for questions every once in a while? I can really be beneficial. I think that that's something that's been helpful for me at USAA over the past couple of years. Um, I think that there's also always opportunities for just different um, training so that you can really dive deeper into some of the information and understand, um, you know, where people are coming from, why we need to do things a particular way, um, but then also having the confidence to say, well, what about doing this? I think millennials are able to sometimes not be so boxed in with um, this is how we've always done it, and um, it's an opportunity for everyone to be open to that kind of feedback, too. So you're saying that people who may have not exactly only come from those other generations, but since they have more experience, they in a way inevitably will be coming from other generations. They might have some of that boxed thinking, which you feel from your vantage point could have actually been undermining what the true value of collaboration could bring otherwise? Um, I don't necessarily think that it's undermining. I think that it's just you need to find a way to communicate with anybody, regardless of the generation, so that they understand where you're coming from. Um, I think that if you do feel like you're being undermined, then maybe there's an opportunity to explain it better or in a different way so that they can really understand. Um, I think that it's important to just always kind of assume positive intent because at the end of the day, everyone's trying to serve, you know, the mission of their company and deliver what's best for their members. Greg, the organization that you uh, have been leading so far, of course, everyone is supposed to be communicating in the best possible manner to get the right. job done. But is the goal to have that communication level go up or would you rather have those people connect with each other? So hope you see the nuance between the two. Uh, well, you know, our um, there's a lot of different each, – each of our generations are comfortable uh, communicating in, in, in different ways. And I think our job as leaders is to uh, open up those channels so that we can uh, all communicate and, and effectively collaborate together. We've, we've introduced new collaboration tools here. Uh, we're trying to take advantage of, you know, how people work uh, with uh, the different generations. So, for example, best example I can give you is we have a, um, an employee portal. We call it Connect. On that employee uh, portal is where uh, we get access to information. Uh, and what we've done on that employee portal now is we've made our communities uh, uh, very visible uh, to all of our employees. Now, if you're a baby boomer, that wasn't something that you necessarily needed, okay? Uh, but uh, for our Gen X and Gen Y uh, employees, uh, that was something that was very important to them. They, they spent a, a great deal of time uh, communicating uh, via, you know, t uh, some of the Twitter-like capabilities that we've developed here at USA. And so... You know, you have to find ways with the different tools and the different collaboration techniques uh, to bring these generations together. Uh, so I, I, I don't think it's confrontational. I just think they have to all peacefully coexist together, and that's what we're trying to do. 
So peaceful coexistence, I love the phrase that you've used here. Ryan, uh, if you look at uh, the way the communication is happening, and Greg mentioned about this collaboration portal, and I'll go back to the word connect. If I connect with someone, I would like to hang out with them outside of work. Is that a dream among multiple generations, even though they are peers and they're in their in a given team and they will just or, or, or that's going to just become a reality where they'll be siloed and we'll have to have that peaceful coexistence? Um, I don't think it's a dream. Uh, I, I think uh, one, one techniques that a lot of companies are employing in their software development practices is agile. Uh, a lot of big corporations are looking for ways to. Uh, re-examine uh, how they're developing uh, software integrating systems. And in USA's journey, we're a couple years into this uh, pursuit of Agile, and I'm finding that it, it creates a, uh, a fertile, multi-generational landscape of teams that you're really rolling up your sleeves and you're working uh, to get, uh, to get a, a goal accomplished. If you think of the old waterfall era where you had uh, teams, uh, it was easy to stereotype, you know, the host mainframe team, uh, was comprised uh, of, a, of a dense group of uh, boomers or Gen Xers, you know, the UI mobile team or, or the millennials. Well, when you, when you embark on, let's say, like agile-based teams that are self-organized, you really uh, tear down those barriers that are uh, kind of the vertical silos, and you, you end up having uh, disparate groups working together towards a common goal. And I think, I think that's just critical. Uh, you can't artificially create teamness by going to the movies together or going to lunch. You've got to really rally behind a, a common problem and, and kind of live in the trenches together. And so that, that to me, is uh, kind of the ingredients for, for creating authentic collaboration. Heather, you must be totally aware of some kind of bashing that sometimes happens for the millennials by other people from other generations. And, of course, you can discount that so that you can you know, continue to grow and you are a strong professional and you're going to grow into a leader. Would you want to take a step back and say, if somebody is saying something, if there is smoke, is there some fire somewhere? Are there any attributes within this millennial generation, which is more of a, a DNA-centric versus something which is an acquired thing, which is causing people some concern or confusion among other generations? Um, I thought about this, uh, the misconceptions around millennials for a long time, and um, I, I actually came up with a list that I can go through. Um, I think one of the biggest misconceptions is that sense of entitlement that people think millennials have, um, expecting too much too soon. Um, but th something to consider is that uh, when a college new hire starts, they're not placed in the same entry-level position as previous generations were. Um, we have advanced so much in technology and automation that a lot of those entry-level positions have um, totally, um, you know, been done away with. We're able, as millennials, as new college hires, to come into these very strategic roles uh, and contribute immediately, which I think is incredibly satisfying. Um, but I think that people need to also remember that um, progression um, is not necessarily going to be based on tenure as much as it will be on how much you're actually able to do. And we practice that uh, here at USA. I think uh, Heather brings up a really great point. Uh, we, we promote people, you know, based on their ability, not how long they've been with the company. And so I think one of the, as Heather was saying, one of the things that um, people like to say is that millennials are not loyal. Well, they might not be loyal because you're not giving them meaningful work. 
And from the very beginning when they join uh, USA, we, we find out what they're interested in working on, and we try to give them the opportunities uh, so that they can grow those skills. Uh, and they very much appreciate that. And we got a long track record here of, of hiring, um, you know, millennials. And I, I look back at our at our trends and how many folks are still here, and, and I'm, I'm here to tell you that they're very loyal. Uh, so that is a uh, certainly a misperception that's in the industry. Ryan, you have been managing people, managing teams, getting project done. On one hand, you have a deadline. On the other hand, you've got somebody listening to YouTube, texting, reusing Facebook or any other social media site as a percentage of their time where they might be actually interacting with folks who may be part of their network to learn and bring basically bring value to the workplace, but it could also be frowned upon by some people who don't either understand it. Or maybe on the flip side of it, it could have been abused by some people because it is seen as a, a natural DNA trait for a millennial. How do you interpret it? What have you seen really happening on the trend, well, in the trenches? That's a great question. Uh, uh, full confession here. Um, I've I've been on the end of the the, the judgment side. I, I explicitly remember a one on one I had with an individual, and uh, they were on their phone, uh, they were typing, and I perceived them as texting, and I, I really got upset. I was like, you know, uh, are you checked out? Uh, what, what's going on here? Uh, no, I'm just taking notes. <laughs> they said, and it was a sobering moment. Uh, obviously, we talk about cultural differences. Uh, I had uh, lunch with one of our uh, new hires out of our uh, Plano office. Uh, he's from the Ivory Coast, and as we were having lunch, uh, he, he said, you know, his cultural upbringing is you never look people uh, at authority, you never look them in the eye. And he was really concerned around uh, carrying some additional cultural baggage that uh, he may have to overcome in the workplace. And so we started a dialogue on this. So I, my point here is I think there's generational baggage that we all, we all carry with us. And so, uh, uh, again, the, the great example is, you know, doing a drive-by and seeing, seeing uh, you know, social media sites up on somebody's monitor or seeing them on the phone doesn't always mean that they're, that they're checked out and texting. They, they could just be uh, using that as a vehicle to get their job done. Now, one is that you could uh, look at what a millennial does and accordingly do your analysis. What could be some of the uh, interesting attributes of Gen X, which you belong to, which could be seen as, in some cases, uh, uh, productive and other cases counterproductive or, or other people smirk at or, or they feel that this, if Ryan did not have it or somebody in his generation uh, did not have it, it would be much better. You know, I think, I think Gen Xers, if you really think about where they're at in their life, um, I think they're at this pivotal point where they're beginning to, to think about what difference have they made in the workplace. They've potentially experienced some form of disappointment in their career or in their life, and I think the real um, enemy that, that, that's at stake is uh, that of indifference or checking out or cynicism. And uh, I see that, that you know, these individuals are really wrestling with the question of legacy. What is their legacy going to be? Um, and I, I find that uh, in, in my role it's, it's very important to, to put life and meaning back in the words that we take for granted. Words like mentor, words like trust or innovate, um, they can somewhat lose their meaning when these individuals have gone through work and they've experienced a mentor relationship that's the equivalent of, you know, talking about football over the weekend. There's not a lot of substance to it. And so 
uh, you know, in my case, the way I look at it is how are we putting vitality uh, back into these words? We're not taking them for granted, um, but we're, we're living them out in a way that, that gets people engaged uh, and gets them motivated. Would you say that you are taking life too seriously sometimes and that could reflect in the way you would manage others um, or people in yeah. your generation? I, me personally, I, you know, I oscillate from uh, being serious and having fun. Uh, and I think it's, it's critical to have both of those ingredients. Uh, you, you can't get so results-oriented that you turn people into, you know, just, just yes-men or doers. Uh, you, you've got to also focus on uh, cultivating authentic relationships. And so I view it as a balance between those two ingredients, the, the, the need for results, the need to get stuff done, but also the need to, uh, to develop uh, people and help them realize their potential. Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back. And, uh, Greg, it's your turn. You get, okay. like, your one minute of uh, thinking time when we come back from the break to see what all uh, areas or attributes with baby boomers which would make them difficult to work with and or where they could be used as an asset to make sure that the whole organization benefit from their existence. Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back. HP is proud to sponsor this program. Tap into our expertise, innovation, and services to bring your most important workloads to the cloud. The U.S. and Canada represent just 5% of the global population, but collectively we consume about 35% of the world's resources. Supply is not keeping up with demand, so change is not an option, it's imperative. Siemens brings knowledge to power through modernization, responsible energy consumption, and greening the grid projects. Siemens Smart Grid has the answers. Just Google Lead the Charge Portal. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sunjog All. Welcome back. So, Greg, take it away where you share what you think that particular generation of yours, which is uh, a baby boomer, what are their attributes which may be productive or counterproductive for an individual as a person and as well as a professional? Yeah, probably the one that stands out the most that's both a positive and a negative is, is sort of the work ethic. The, uh, the baby boomer generation is really defined by doing whatever it takes to get the job done. And so, Sometimes um, the generation has set an expectation that being in the office, you know, trying to outwork the other person is, is the way to get ahead. Uh, and uh, clearly that's not the signal uh, that our generation really wants to send. And I think as, as we've learned uh, how people work differently, uh, we're, we're beginning to understand um, how that looks uh, to some of the other generations. Um, the, the expectation that you're in the office and you're not working um, if you're not in the office, you're not working is certainly a bad expectation with today's workforce because we're so uh, we're, we have the ability to work from anywhere today. Uh, and so I, I, as I look at the baby boomer generation, that's been and it is still a challenge for many of us to overcome. 
Would you say that baby boomers are also seen as people who are very close to their retirement, so they're biding their time, and while they have the work ethic to show up at the office, but they would want to uh, get the things done so that they complete their retirement and get their pension versus actually creating value at par with what other generations are able to do? Because that's that's a perception out there in many cases. Yeah, and I can see how that perception exists uh, today, and and I I would say that it probably does exist in in uh, different companies, and it probably does exist here as well. Uh, but um, I all of the the folks that uh, as we evaluate uh, individuals' performances here, we really all about team here at USA, and everybody's got to carry their own weight. Uh, and so the folks who don't, you know, are, are probably not going to be part of our workforce going forward. And uh, and we treat everyone the same way regardless of what generation you're in. Uh, so I can see how that perception, perception exists in the marketplace, but uh, we try really hard uh, to make sure that everybody is um, contributing. Heather, how about you taking um, one or two attributes, I would say two or three attributes of each generation, which is not millennials, which is we are talking about uh, baby boomers and Gen X, which you would rather not see in the overall professional demeanor or even as personalities, if that could be different, then you could do much better as your person, as, as a person who's working there as a professional, as a, an employee of the company, as well as as you're dealing with them as individuals. I think that um, to Greg's point about um, the physically being in the office to demonstrate that you're working is a great opportunity um, for everyone to remember that, um, you know, people from my generation, I know I like to work, uh, some of my most productive hours are from 10 p.m. to midnight. And so if we're able to have that opportunity, you know, we can work remotely because the technology supports it. And if our managers support that as well, then that's really great. Um, because at the end of the day, we all want to accomplish the same mission um, and support our members. Uh, so, another thing... I'm sorry? Yeah, go ahead, because I was trying to get more of the items from the other generations that you would like to see differently. I know you're talking about millennials yourself. Anything that you would like to see uh, done differently by these other two generations, which is Baby Boomer and Gen X? Well, I think that another example of things that are perceptions that um, the other generations might put a lot of different weight in. I know that um, baby boomers and Gen Xers um, have have started their families a lot earlier in their careers than maybe some millennials. And so I think that it's also important for us to remember that um, although the millennials aren't starting the families early, um, you know, our friends are our family. And so it's really important for us to be able to have that work-life balance. And so for baby boomers and um, Gen Xers to also see the millennials' friends as their extended family, I think is a great um, thing that people can work on. Ryan, when you look at your world and, and you look at the millennials and you have to some extent answer the questions in terms of uh, what their expectations are, but what are certain things that you would like to see uh, be different so that they can align well with your DNA, where you, of course, are changing, but you want overall camaraderie among all three generations? That's a great question. Um, you, you know, you, you've heard, we've all heard the old cliche, uh, respect your elders. And I think... Um, I think I would I would want millennials to uh, wrestle with how do they respect the experience and the history that the boomers and the Gen Xers have. Um, 
I view the millennials as, you know, uh, very hungry. Uh, I've, I've used the analogy of feeding their appetite, but it's, it's, it's important um, that you have healthy dialogue around the question of experience. And I've seen it a, a, a very uh, razor's edge line that I, I walk as a manager where you've got very talented up-and-coming millennials, and, I've, you know, I've got to essentially have a healthy dialogue on the, the, the statement of you need more experience. And I find that there's a, often a, a, a negative reaction to the presumption that uh, a person is limited, uh, their career is a, is a function of time or tenure, we mentioned earlier. Um, so I, I think you can't dismiss um, the importance of experience, um, but it's, it's really critical that, that millennials decompose that word and they, they develop uh, a plan that, that involves, all right, how do I really grow? And I think this, this question of respecting your elders uh, is, is an inward disposition or attitude that can help uh, create that dialogue around experience and the need for it. This is interesting, Greg. Uh, based on what Ryan just said, respect. Now, do you think anything which you standing outside and you see a Gen X requesting or expecting respect from a millennial is because of the type of upbringing that they have had the experience and that's what they can bank on and that's why when millennial comes and outright challenges whatever the old learning was, that's why this, this need for respect comes up? Yeah, yeah, I think you've got it uh, exactly right there. And, and I think sometimes it gets confused with, you know, um, you know, a, a Gen Y person really uh, isn't afraid to ask for something. Okay, and sometimes I think that gets misinterpreted as they're not, you know, they're they're asking for something, and and maybe the baby boomer uh, generation or, or even Gen Y uh, or the Gen X uh, generation uh, feels like, well, well, why would? Of course they shouldn't have access to that yet. You know, they've only been in the workforce for six months or a year, uh, so I think they're very forthright with uh, their requests, and I think once you understand that, it's really not disrespect. It's just it's just a part of who they are. But do you think there is something also to be said uh, or based on what Ryan says is that sometimes they may not have the experience, but just because they know something, uh, the, the experience of the other counterpart who's coming from Gen X perhaps or even baby boomer is discounted? Uh, yeah, I, I think to some extent that could happen, certainly. All right. Now, with that said, your own uh, generation, which has you know lived in a certain way, worked in a certain way, what do you think is a handicap that it creates for other people to be able to communicate better with your generation, people who may not always be having a reporting relationship, but working as peers? So you're talking about the baby boomer generation here, right? Okay, so I, yes. I tell you what, we grew up on email, all right? So uh, I, I, I tell you what, uh, email still unfortunately drives a, a big portion of how we work uh, here at USA, and, and I, I wish that wasn't true. Uh, we're working really hard uh, to to understand how we can use better collaboration tools. Uh, so I so I would tell you that um, that is a uh, an area that all of us, I think even even baby boomers recognize how much it uh, drives their normal workday, uh, and all of us would very much like to see that change. Heather, when you try to communicate the way you write, the way you tweet or text and or talk in meetings, is there something that you feel as you have what you when you started your uh, you know work at this USAA uh, organization and now after working six years, do you see an evolution where you've changed some of the ways or you've you've 
basically work the same way and other people around you have understood you? I think that it's a combination. Um, I think one thing to consider is that Facebook has only been open to the public for about seven years now, and Twitter's only been um, opened uh, about a year longer than that. And so millennials have grown up with that technology and that um, ability to crowdsource, to be able to post questions to complex problems and then get answers from multiple people. Um, as I've grown in my career at USAA, I've really leverage crowdsourcing, getting feedback, getting support and collaborating with my team. But then I've also realized that I need to also show that I know this information too and that I'm just asking um, for another opinion or I'm just, you know, letting people know that I'm working on something. And so it has been kind of a, um, a combination of both. Do you see um, any areas where you would be uh, looked at someone who is coming, who's very authentic and forthright and is not playing the game, you know, double coach game where you are in an organization in order to get promotion, you have to get along in, in order to get ahead. Do you subscribe? Does your generation subscribe to that particular approach to how corporations or how do you grow within an organization or uh, is that changing it, it's constantly changing, and I think it's adapting to whatever the workforce is of the day. Um, I think that um, as the generations are getting older, um, I know when I look at a lot of my peers, I do see a very authentic group of people, um, and they don't want to feel like they have to be somebody who they're not um, because they feel so strongly in what they're doing. Um, and But I also see the company understanding that more and more, um, as time has gone on, too. Ryan, when you used to work throughout your career, and I'm sure since you're a director, you've come up the ranks, and you were promoted uh, X number of times, and each time you may have delivered something or performed something. Are those the type of benchmarks that you are using and which are the those, those benchmarks in order to promote someone who's working for you, who may or may not be uh, you know, uh, a millennial or any other generation? So uh, help me understand the, the question again. You so the promotion, the criteria, why should somebody get get promotion or grow and get ahead in the organization? Because they were forthright in everything. They just delivered results. They had better camaraderie with everyone. So if somebody is aloof but really quite stellar results, because you might have been able to give somebody promotion based on certain criteria. Do you think you're changing criteria now that you've gone multiple generations with each person having their own uh, ways of showing how they can deliver and what they can deliver? I, I think it's easy to to rest strictly on performance and to look at an individual only through the lens of performance. But I think, you know, at USA, we also look at potential. Uh, it's, a, it's a combination of both performance and results as well as that person's uh, potential. Um, so those are, those are the, the first thoughts that come to mind as it pertains to the, the question of, you know, promoting. Um, Heather or Greg, I don't know if you guys want to chime in on that one. Well, I, I, I don't think what, you know, when we're, I get involved, uh, you know, primarily in, in the senior level promotions, and I can tell you the one thing that doesn't come up is tenure. Uh, so we, you know, it's important to have, uh, to have a lot, to have experience, uh, but what we're really after is performance and potential. So when you do go back, Greg, and talk to a millennial, do you say you just go deliver results no matter how it is? And you will get it. So is, is that the approach or, or is it like following the processes and everything else counts? 
Uh, no, it, there's a lot of other, uh, you know, ingredients uh, to being successful. First of all, mutual respect uh, with your fellow employee really matters here, and I, and I hope it matters at most companies uh, as well. Uh, we really are a team in the software development space especially. We work together as collaborative teams, and so we're more about the team than we are about individuals. Now, you have an individual career, right? Uh, but that individual career is about how they contribute, how they collaborate. That's part of performance. It's not just about, you know, being the best coder or the best functional analyst. Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back. And, Greg, I'll come back to you yet again uh, to see what is it possible, is it at all possible to have each of these generations maintain their natural DNA and style and uh, not trying to accommodate others so that they can be comfortable in their skin and go about doing what they do best and still be able to create that healthy multi-generational coexistence and get the most output. Are we trying to eat the cake and have it too or is it really a possibility? Let's explore that when we come back. Please stay tuned. The U.S. and Canada represent just 5% of the global population, but collectively we consume about 35% of the world's resources. Supply is not keeping up with demand, so change is not an option, it's imperative. Siemens brings knowledge to power through modernization, responsible energy consumption, and greening the grid projects. Siemens Smart Grid has the answers. Just Google Lead the Charge Portal. HP is proud to sponsor this program. Tap into our expertise, innovation, and services to bring your most important workloads to the cloud. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sunjog All. Welcome back. So, Greg, it's always very natural for somebody to make them conform to our way of thinking, but instead of trying to play that tug-of-war, is it possible and to what extent have you been able to do successfully as a team within your organization to create that peaceful coexistence without changing people's DNA and still get the performance and productivity that you needed? Yeah, I, I'm not sure you can change uh, anybody's DNA. So I, let me start there. Uh, but so I think absolutely peaceful uh, coexistence is the goal. Uh, and uh, we want to take advantage of the unique characteristics of each generation. If you can, if you can uh, put processes in place and, and, and tools in place to where everybody can work together, uh, that, that really creates the kind of uh, results that you're looking for as a company. So, you know, one of the things that I started this with was when you asked the first question, you know, from an organizational standpoint, what's the glue that keeps us all together? And I, I'm going to come back to that again. It's really our mission. The people who work at USA feel a special connection to the members that we support. And we, we, we take great pride in making decisions as a company that are in the best interest of our membership. And that is important to our employees, regardless of what generation that you come from. Right Now, we do communicate differently. We do collaborate differently. Um, we have different opinions about work hours and some of the other things that we d discussed today. Um, 
So what we've tried to do to create this peaceful coexistence is we listen. We listen to each of the, uh, you know, and I'll say generations, but more importantly, we listen to our employees. We get ideas from our employees, and then we act on those ideas. And so I gave you an example earlier of the Nexus community where we acted on it, and, and um, the millennial uh, population just loves that community now today. It's a big part of how they communicate and collaborate together. Uh, I gave you the example of the employee portal you know, where we brought our social communities to the forefront of the way uh, we communicate. Another thing that we've done that's been very successful is we learned that people like competitions. You, you hear about it in industry. You hear about, you know, coding competitions and hackathons. And uh, we had a, a great idea from both a baby boomer and a millennial. They actually joined together. Uh, or, I'm sorry, it was a Gen, a Gen, a Gen X and a Gen, uh, and Gen Y, and they joined together and they came up with this idea of having a coding competition. We call it Code is Ice here. It's fabulous. It gives our employees the opportunity on their own time uh, to uh, take on some really pressing, significant issues uh, or problems that we're trying to solve for each one of our lines of business here. And we've seen marvelous results uh, come out as a result of that. And so we're in our fourth year of that competition now. We're doing four of those a year. So, um, you know, we try to take these ideas and, and we listen and, and then we try to figure out how can we, how can we make it um, part of the fabric of the organization that we work in every day. Heather, if you were to look at your particular career path right now, and eventually I'm sure you will be working towards that leadership uh, role, how would you like to run company any differently uh, compared to what Greg is doing today? or anyone that you, other people that you've seen doing today? And how would you like to manage people differently compared to how Ryan is doing today? I think that that's kind of a hard question because I can't say that I have a lot of complaints right now. Um, when I came in, um, and even when I go recruiting um, at different college career fairs, the thing that I always start with is saying, out of college I was able to come into this company and start an organization from the grassroots up where we were able to, you know, create networking opportunities for college new hires so that they didn't feel, um, you know, if they were moving in from another city, they didn't feel like they didn't have any friends because we gave them a group that they could immediately know people in. Um, I think that the next thing that I got to do was do a coding competition. And it wasn't just that I got to, you know, create something, but I got to work on a passion project and I got to work with the business and it was actually um, implemented into production. Um, I, I think that these are things that if I were an executive in the future at USAA, I would love to continue doing. I want people to feel like it doesn't matter how long you've been at USAA. It doesn't matter who you are. Come into my office and talk to me because I'm going to give you whatever you need because ultimately we have the same goal of helping our members. Ryan, when you look at yourself, and there must be areas which you may be working on to make sure that you are better connected and you are working towards your leadership uh, journey and eventually you know, get a role, what, what uh, Greg is doing, or perhaps something else. What is your vision of what you would want to do differently with yourself and perhaps other people in your generation should be doing? Uh, for me, I think uh, just approachability is a word that comes to mind. Uh, you know, just me personally, I, I can uh, get very preoccupied with the tasks that I'm working on. Uh, I can have a drive-by at my desk, and I, my head will still stay glued to the monitor while I'm having a conversation. And, and really just emphasizing the need to, to, to detach from that task, look the individual in the eye, 
and engage in a in a conversation is is one thing that comes to mind uh, that I think is just very vital in, in creating healthy relationships. Greg, one last question. Mm-hmm. What do you think you would want to see happen across all generations within your organizations or what your what is your appeal to people within other organizations to each generation so that we are not undermining what an organization can produce or deliver and how it exists just because of these uh age-based uh differences? Yeah, I, I well, first of all, I I think that uh, you know I go back to that mutual respect. Uh, I, I I I'd like to believe that it it's it's absolutely out there all the time, but I know that that would be naive of me to think that. So I, I'd like to see more of that. Uh, I certainly would like, as a leader, to move faster. Um, I think it's very difficult with um, legacy processes and legacy tools to automatically embrace, you know, some of the new changes that are going on in the industry. So I, I'm, you know, I'm going to continue to be an advocate for that. I'm going to continue to push the organization uh, to move as fast as we can to take advantage of some of this uh, new stuff. But I'm going to, I'm going to continue to try to be a role model. Uh, and what I mean by that is I want to be an advocate. Uh, for um, you know Gen X and Gen Y and our entire millennial population, um, I I too have gone to many conferences. I too have heard many authors out there uh, speak uh, of uh, the millennial generation, and uh, I'm I'm here to tell you that uh, many of the perceptions that are out there um, uh, might be self-inflicted by companies uh, that are employing those millennials. If if they give folks meaningful work, if they listen. If they uh, take advantage of the unique skill sets that they're bringing to the table, these these uh, uh, young individuals are so talented, they're so innovative, and if you can adapt your processes to take advantage of it, you're going to have a lot of harmony uh, in your workforce. And that's that's really what we're trying to create here at USA. On behalf of the show and our listeners, I'd really like to thank you, uh, Greg, Ryan, and Heather, for sharing your thoughts about how to build the workplace for Gen Y and, for that matter, all three different generations that coexist. Thank Thank you you very much. We enjoyed it. Thank you so much again, listeners. Hope you enjoyed the conversation and got things out of it. Please like us on Facebook, search for CIO Talk Radio, and be sure to follow us on Twitter. Thank you again for listening to CIO Talk Radio. This is Sanjog All, your talk show host. Till next week, take care and God bless. Thank you for tuning in to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Please join Sun Joke All next Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 9 a.m. Central Time, and 10 a.m. Eastern Time for another hour of CIO Talk Radio on the Voice America Business Channel. CIO Talk Radio is brought to you by HP and Siemens Smart Grid.